0: This project is supported by a charitable donation from Pfizer Limited.
1: Hello, I'm Victoria Derbyshire. I was 46 years old and getting on with my happy life. I didn't feel as though I had a care in the world. And then came breast cancer. This podcast brought to you by the Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity is for those of you who've experienced a moment like that and for everyone in your life that's affected too. Your family, your friends, your work colleagues, the people who are caring for you, who hold you close, the people you lean on. It's a podcast for that moment and for what happens next. This episode is a special one all about the charity Future Dreams. It was set up by mother and daughter Sylvie Henry and Danielle Leslie to fund research into advanced breast cancer and to make sure no woman goes through cancer alone. Really, really sadly, both Danielle and Sylvie died. Danielle was aged just 40, and that was just over a year after the death of her mum. That was 10 years ago. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Spencer, who was Danielle's husband, who is a trustee of Future Dreams. I'm going to introduce you to one of their three children, 17-year-old Amy, And I'm also going to introduce you to Danielle's best friend, Sam Jacobs, who works for the charity. Welcome, all of you. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. I'm going to start with a tough question, but I want to ask you all, and maybe I'll start with you, Spencer. When is the time in the last decade when you have felt Danielle most closely by your side?
2: That is a tough opening question, Victoria. Um, I'm going to answer it slightly differently in that every time I'm looking at my children, uh, I am overcome with the um, bittersweet feeling of loving all of their successes and trials of life and so wishing that Danielle could be here to see them. And some days... The desire to speak to her is really overwhelming, and that's when I sort of feel somehow that she's sort of pushing me to talk to her because it just becomes, uh, you know, so necessary to to sort of speak to her on those days. Um, do you so, have Do
1: you have conversations with her either in your head or out loud?
2: Out loud, Victoria. Do you?
1: Oh uh, my goodness.
2: There's, um, you know, yourself bringing up children and um, there are situations and incidents that happen and have happened over the last 10 years where the responsibility and the um, just the crushing feeling of missing her uh, has made me many times uh, look around and ask and talk to her, both in my head and very often out loud.
1: Mm. And do you feel that you, you get some kind of answer or some, some guidance?
2: Um, I, I, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm a very open person and, and having sometimes just voicing my concerns mm. um, can somehow, um, you know, give me an answer in a sense. Um just having that person to talk to, the only person who would really understand how I'm feeling about my kids at that moment would be Danielle. And just voicing it out loud, for me, sometimes um, I find a route forward from that.
1: Amy, when in the last 10 years, you've got a beautiful smile on your face. (laughs) When in the last 10 years have you felt your mum most closely by you?
3: I can't really think of a specific moment. I feel like when I talked at the show, I felt like I was very nervous before, like just before and I was standing kind of by myself. I think you were there, Dad, but I don't remember. And then,
1: When you say the show, Amy, just explain to people oh, listening um, what, um, what that so was.
3: At the Future Dreams Decade show in 2018 at the Palladium,
1: mm-hmm.
3: before I did my pledge speech, I was very nervous and I think then I just like felt like I wasn't by myself that she was with me and like going to speak with me about it and then other times I think more just like when I'm by myself maybe and like I need that like I don't know boy advice or like an outfit like I kind of just like like feel like she's there helping me with things like that Mm.
1: What, you mean your dad can't advise on your outfits?
3: <laughs> Not very well. <laughs>
1: um, Sam, I can see because we're doing this via Zoom that you, you look really emotional as Amy's speaking and Spencer is speaking. How are you feeling right this second? <laughs>
0: very emotional. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Right, I'm going to hold it together. Oh. I'm just so proud of them. I'm so proud of Spencer and how it's brought up his kids because they're just fantastic. And... I'm totally devoted to this charity because losing Danielle was really hard (laughs) and as a personality I'm a really productive person so I just transferred all my grief into being as productive as possible because what happened to Daniel and Sylvie was unfair and it happens to so many women so I'm so right feel better now Mm -hmm. um and I just uh I feel Danielle around me a lot. Do you? Mm. And I can often, as I kind of laughed at Spencer. I can talk to her out loud because there's a lot of responsibility and I I want to do things right and I'm a very committed, loyal person. So I take this role seriously in my friendship with her as well. Mm. And, and the friends that I've met along the way... Um, such amazing characters. And she opened a door in my life that I was never anticipating. So um, I think at the moment, a lot of the times I'm thinking about, because I'm spending a lot of time as an architect on our built project, Future Dreams House, and I'm often there on my own. And I walk back to the station and I can I do find myself talking to her, which must look a bit odd, <laughs> um, but um, it's, and, I, and my bond with Spencer and my love for the family, he's, he's m- much more than a friend
1: mm.
0: and we've also had each other to get through it.
1: Yeah. I'm going to come back to the Future Dreams house because it is a huge project for this charity. <laughs> yeah. um, what was your mum like, Amy?
3: It's a hard question for me because I actually don't remember much from myself but like I can just kind of go off what people have told me. Mm.
1: How old were you when your mum died?
3: Um I was 6. Yeah. 6. Um so I just don't really remember a lot but I have so many videos of mm-hmm. like holidays and things like that and I kind of just watch them and try and get like a grip of what she was like. Mm. So what I can see is just like funny and like quite carefree, like quite opposite to dad. Um, More like chilled out. Yeah. (laughs) Just like go with the flow type thing.
1: Um, Spencer, why did you fall in love with Danielle?
2: The first date we had, she ordered uh, a large slice of chocolate cake with melted ice cream. And, um, that was, uh, she, she, she had an amazing sense of humor as, as Amy says, um, my oldest son, uh, is my, is really my piece of Danielle. He, he has all of her characteristics. Which it was. Incredi- incredibly laid back. Right. Um, very, very chilled, very, very funny. And also, uh, you know, very warm and very kind, uh, uh, guy, um, You know Danielle. uh, Danielle. A lot of people, you know, have this view of 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 other people, but Danielle would light a room up when she would walk into it, and had the ability to be herself and converse with the milkman and uh, a head of industry in exactly the same way, make them feel completely at ease, and give them a smile and a joke uh, at the same time. It was always a laugh Mm. with Danielle.
1: Sam, you and Danielle were best
0: friends from when you were really young. Tell us when you first met and what you were like as a pair. (laughs) So, yeah, I met Danielle when I was, I think it was three. It was my first ballet class because Sylvie was the ballet teacher. Ah. And I was dreadful at ballet, but I really loved it. And we had, I went to Sylvie's dance school till I was 12 and Dan and I went to school together. We were exactly the same age. Um, I was definitely the naughty one, but she was so easily led because she was uh, really laid back and her mum was quite strict. So after every parent's evening, she'd come in the next day, she went, mum said, I can't sit next to you anymore in the classroom. <laughs> and I, and of course, she'd be next to me yeah. in two minutes. So she was extremely fun Um Loyal, we had a really harmonious relationship. Mm. It was low maintenance and effortless—a perfect friendship, really. Yeah.
1: Why did they set up Future
2: Dreams? I think that um, they wanted to give back something to um, the help. Uh, I think uh, Sylvie and Danielle both trained. Uh, as ballerinas at the Royal Academy of Dance. And um, I think they had a lot of contacts in theatre land and in uh, show show business. Mm. And I think that they just felt that they had to do something to make some sort of difference um, while they could to, to people going through this really... Uh, you know, horrible, horrible experience and journey. Mm.
0: We were all supporting Danielle when she was first diagnosed. I knew Sylvia had had breast cancer. Um, we were teenagers, when she, late teenagers, when she had breast cancer. So we didn't really understand the significance of it, but Sylvie was kind of instrumental in supporting Danielle as well. And we all were, you know, we all played a part in kind of dealing with the kids while she was going through treatment and, you know, supporting her and Spence. So, you know, it was very much them giving back, kind of like closing a chapter and doing a one-off event Mm. with friends and family.
2: She got into bed one evening, Victoria, and she said to me, I'm going to take over the Savoy Theatre. I'm going to sell 1,400 tickets for a show. Wow. I'm going to get all of the uh, big shows to perform at the event. And we're gonna raise a fortune for charity. And I looked at her and said, You are absolutely mad. What (laughs) are you talking about? And that's what they did. Yeah. And half a million pounds later, God. Future Dreams was off and running.
1: Oh my goodness. So from what so from the way you have all described her, I have this impression of a woman who was a tour de force. Is that fair? Is that accurate? You'd
2: never believe it right. on first meeting her. Because she was but, so laid back. Yeah. But incredible strength and determination lay mm. under the surface of that comical laid back exterior.
1: Wow. Um, Sam, what kind of support does Future Dreams give? What kind of research do you help fund?
0: So we we fundamentally focus on secondary breast cancer research because that's what affected Sylvie and Danielle.
1: And when we say secondary breast cancer, for those who don't know what that term means, it means advanced, it means it can't be cured, but it is treatable.
0: It is treatable and you can live with secondary breast cancer. But it was something that they felt really passionate about. And in fact, they... Was it the first year, Spencer, we cut the ribbon outside the laboratory, which is now breast cancer now. So su- we've supported secondary breast cancer research from the very beginning.
1: Mm. Amy, I, I, I mean, you're involved. You, you were talking about the show that you, you spoke at early, earlier. Are there times in the last few years you, as you have been growing into a young woman where you've thought, my God, this charity is really needed?
3: Just all the time, really. I think about it quite a lot and at school that a few months ago I gave an assembly kind of talking about it and I I'd asked I'd been asked to do that a few years ago and I just I couldn't really do it I was way too, I hadn't really spoken about it to apart from my close friends to that many people not about the charity but just about things so personal like that so mm. I I couldn't do it when I was younger but my teacher asked me again and I just thought I should do it cause I was more confident now and it, like when I did it, I had such like a big reaction from like my whole year group and all the other year groups that had seen it. And I just didn't realise how many people like were so interested in, like it had affected so many people that I just didn't even know about as well Mm -hmm. and how it's so needed. Like even for people my age, like it meant so much to them that I'd spoken about that, like at school in front of everyone.
1: Yeah. And so does that, how how proud does that make you feel of what your mum achieved and her legacy?
3: So proud, like so amazing that, and when I think about, cause I don't even remember her starting it. It's just kind of been there forever. Like for as long as I can remember, there's just been this thing, the charity, but to think that she was so like ill and suffering and having to deal with like all of us and everything else going on while starting that, like, I just, can't even imagine that it's just so amazing Mm.
0: marina rinaldi is a fashion brand that has always been proud to support women for 40 years we have been spreading a body positivity message encouraging women to embrace their ever-changing shapes to love their curves and themselves every woman deserves to feel elegant and in style and wherever you are on your breast cancer journey, Marina Rinaldi wants to send you the confidence to continue to believe in your beautiful.
1: Spencer, did Danielle give you guidance, instructions as to how she wanted you to continue bringing up Amy and her two brothers, uh, Ben and Joe?
2: She. Uh, it's, that's a really funny question. Um, um, we were, uh, uh, Amy's already uh, insinuated or, or, or implied, I'm a very strict uh, father, I think, there with Danielle being very laid back. And and Danielle's one instruction, so two, two instructions she left me, uh, one was to move into the middle between the two of us. She said to me that, when If we were both going to be here, it would be great to have a strict parent and a soft parent, and she felt that would work very well. But she cautioned me to find a, a, a middle ground and not be too strict because the kids needed some leeway with everything that was going on, which I've tried to uh, follow. <laughs> we'll find out in a minute if that was <laughs> successful. But, um, but she had one other danielle was um and sylvie she 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 was very concerned that um the children would grow up with um politeness and and a bit of respect for uh, people around them and they're the two major things from her that I've always tried to instill in my kids um to you know make sure that they are they realize you know, have respect for, for, for everybody, treat everybody well and, and be very polite as well with it. They were very important qualities to Dan.
1: Can I ask you about the boxes? Yeah. Tell, tell our listeners what they are.
2: So um, uh, in my bedroom, uh, in, a, the, in the corner is a wardrobe and in the top of the wardrobe, even now, 10 years on, sit three boxes. There, if you can imagine uh, a, a sh- normal shoe box, mm. uh, and imagine that three times as big. That's the size of the box. It has a lid that lifts upwards, and on top of the lid is a picture of each child. One of the boxes is pink for Amy, and the other two are blue, and they have the child's name inscribed on the side. And inside the box, Danielle left um, uh, cards for birthdays, for GCSEs, for A-levels, for graduating from university, for engagement, for wedding, for birth of your first child, learner plates, packs condoms. <laughs> oh, my um, God. And uh, all sorts of other messages and... Um, Amy's Amy's uh, also has, uh, I think the expression is something borrowed, something blue when you get yeah. married. She's already got all of that is in the box. Wow. Danielle went into incredible detail to try to stay involved in the kids' lives. And um, the boxes have been uh, an amazing connection and an amazing um I don't want to use the almost excitement, but and, and sort of for the kids, you know. Mm. Oh my god, it's my birthday! I wonder what I'm getting from the box this year. Has oh. been one of the most uh, important things around uh, key events. Yeah. So, um, what's
1: it like, Amy me? when when you when you open something that your mum has left you on a key event?
3: It's I don't want to say weird, but not weird, but it's weird to think that she'd already planned this 10 years in advance that I would be like at my 17th birthday, I got the learner plates and she already knew 10 years before that I was going to open that and see that. And it is like, to me, it just feels like she's just gone right now and bought it and given it to me. Gosh. It feels like she's there in that moment. Yeah. And I think, especially like n- now that I'm getting older, I like appreciate it a lot more and I, look through the stuff that I've already got a lot more in the cards I've got. And, like, it is nice to know that, like, when I have those big events, like, I, I feel, like, reassured that I'm going to get those things and I'm always going to have them for, like, my wedding or engagement or my eight, even my 18th next year. Like, I know there's something that I'm going to get from her and so she's going to be a part of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And do you take
1: – I mean – I think it was you, Spencer, who said there's this excitement. You know what's going to be in the box. But do you also, Amy, take comfort from that?
3: A hundred percent. I like, yeah. This the cards, especially. Like I think when I was younger, kind of the presents meant a bit more. Like I got a, <laughs> a bracelet once or things like that. But I think it's definitely the cards. Like I have them by the side of my bed, and what's written in them definitely means a lot more than the things I get with them yeah like it's just nice to know that like that's a message for me yeah
1: those yeah it's the words it will be the words um, yeah
3: each one has like a very specific message to that age like I've seen how they've kind of changed as I've got older the what, how she's written them mm. even because I'm older
1: Sam what do you think of Danielle doing that
3: Now
0: I watched her do it all did you yeah gosh yeah, no. Uh, we were so close. I remember walk, walking into her one day and she goes, I've written uh, my eulogy. <laughs>
2: I was
0: like, are you joking? It's like nine o'clock. She was no one else who can deal with it. So I had to sit down and listen. But it and so all of those. I was so proud of her watching her put all of those things together for the kids and totally being in that moment. Of their age when she was doing it, um, for, you know, for the boys, yeah. for Amy, and it it fills me with huge pride mm-hmm. to hear how it resonates with Amy, and the fact that she's noticed how it's developed as she's developed, and Danielle's got that totally, as a good mum does. Yeah,
1: um, I'm going to ask another tough question, if I may. There will be many listening who won't know how it's possible to cope with the loss of a mum, a mum-in-law, a wife, a best friend. So I want to ask you all, and Spencer, if I may start with you, how you have found the strength to cope, to go on.
2: Kids. Yeah. Um, When I... I remember a few days after... Danielle died I remember this urge this memory has always stuck with me I had the urge to really just get into bed pull a duvet over my head and sort of not come out again and one of the kids called me you know from downstairs and they needed something and my strength to move forward because I hate the expression "moving on." Mm, I haven't moved yeah. on. No, I've only moved forward. I never want to move on. Um, and the strength to move forward uh, for me has come from the kids and um, the the desire to bring them up in a way that Danielle would be proud of them. Uh, and then, secondly, uh, the charity. Has played this huge role, um, particularly for for I think Sam and and myself in uh, keeping Sylvie and Danielle uh, very much in our thoughts. And I've I've used the charity as a as a great way with the kids of keeping mum alive and just the boys the boys. Uh, are are so fascinated with it but in a different way quite quietly they love to listen mm. if I bring up the charity at dinner yeah. Amy will respond and ask questions but the boys will come off their phones and they'll listen to what's going on and they'll you know they'll nod and take it all in and have been in their own way very proud and connected with Danielle and Sylvie through the charity and it's been an amazing uh, bond and a strength. It's uh, to you know to, to to keep connected and keep her alive, and 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 you know that's that's where that's how I've moved yeah. forward.
1: How old are Ben and Joe now?
2: Ben will be twenty three um, in a couple of weeks, mm. and Joe is twenty one in November.
3: Well, I think what I used to find the hardest was the things that people wouldn't really expect when I've spoken about it with my friends, they kind of think a lot of the bigger things are the things that are like would upset you more. But I think it's more, I think, especially being a girl, like the small things that used to bother me, like when I used to learn, like, I don't know, to do my hair and Mm -hmm. things like that. And I used to actually like get annoyed at my friends who would, well, everyone fights their parents. They fight with their mums, And I'd be like kind of annoyed. Like I'd love to do that. Um, like have a fight um but I think I don't know dad's dad's kind of like my mom dad like I think I'm a lot closer with him than a lot of my friends are mm. their dads like I don't think any of them really tell their dad about their boyfriends but I do um and things <laughs> like that so he's yeah kind of both and I have my stepmom and she's so like good with me with like, she taught me how to do like everything, like my makeup, my hair, choosing outfits mm. and all those kind of things that I think like I get upset about the most. Yeah. It's so those, the ordinary
1: stuff, isn't it? The the, the kind of yeah. the stuff that m- most people listening would take for granted because that's what happens when you're growing up, when you're a young teenage girl. You you go shopping with your mum and you buy some clothes, and she's there to help you because you don't really know what you're buying. Um, Sam, what about what about yourself?
0: Um I think for me, i've she's put me on a different path in life um unexpectedly, and I've just um, had incredible experiences over the last twelve years with Spencer actually, and we, we speak about Danielle all the time, and I know that's a, a big comfort. And I'm just, you know, I've been able to put my skill set into, you know, as an architect into a huge project with the charity, and I've gathered many new friends that I would never have met. And, you know, I, I question my, how how has this all happened Mm -hmm. but it all happened because I lost my friend
1: yeah do you want to tell us some about the future dreams house what is it who's it for it's still it's it's still not come to fruition but it is the biggest project of this charity to date I think
0: yeah, it's been an incredible drive for future dreams and uh, it was born out of Danielle and Sylvie understanding that they had tremendous support and Danielle specifically really aware that people don't have that kind of support and infrastructure and if they did, they might not even want to burden their family or keep it very personal. So we we wanted to create um, a really strong support network for the breast cancer community And that's coming to fruition now Mm. as a physical space in King's Cross directly opposite the station. And within that building, there will be practical and emotional support, complementary support for all those touched by breast cancer. I mean, obviously, we've been impacted enormously by the pandemic. But the world has opened up because people are also kind of doing a lot more things virtually. So I'm sure the house will have a virtual existence as well as a physical. So I've been working with a great contracting team and um, really enjoyed the process, actually. And, you know, we're now very determined on how we sustain this and what that looks like to open the doors. But it's approximately 7,000 square foot and it will contain... Or will be a destination for a, a person going through breast cancer and their families.
1: It's going to be an incredible resource. It really is. Uh, Spencer Sam mentioned the, the the fact that the charity has been hit by COVID, as many charities have. Um, I've been obviously I've been there at some of your events, which have been successful. Some of them are huge events. Some of them are intimate events. Um, do you think you can get the charities? fundraising efforts back to where they were?
2: We have to, uh, Victoria. It's not a question of if and will we. We we have to. Um, unfortunately, breast cancer isn't going away at the moment. More people through the pandemic have been affected because hospitals have been full of COVID victims and haven't been doing mammograms, haven't been doing um, testing and... Um, uh, all the things that uh, help uh, prevent, um, you know, early detection is the greatest uh, prevention of breast cancer and the, 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 the hospitals just haven't been doing as much as they were doing before. So there's going to be a lot more cases and a lot more need for what we're providing in King's cross. And somehow we have to, we have to raise the money to run this center and, mm. um, to have a place, uh, I just want to add to Sam's earlier remarks about the House, and I think you'll understand this probably more than anyone on this call, but for for uh, to have a place where women can come together who are actually going through this journey um, and discuss it with somebody who truly understands what they're going through is, for me, the central core of what the support centre is about, I would sit with Danielle for hours in 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 bed talking about she would talk to me but I couldn't truly understand what it feels like to have breast cancer what it feels like to potentially be losing your life and to have the opportunity to put ladies and in some cases gentlemen mm-hmm. together who can have those discussions I think is, is, is the reason that we have no choice but to raise this money, keep this centre going and do all we can to help that journey.
1: Yeah. And it's one of the motivations, of course, for this podcast, because it's about people getting together, sharing experiences, sharing stories and helping those who might be listening. Can you think of individuals, groups of women who Future Dreams has actually helped? in the last decade and a half or so?
0: I, I personally think Future Dreams has its core essence of, of a family kind of feel. Mm. And the people who've come forward over 10 years are still our good friends and part of the family to and have all taken kind of their own roles and have either been at events, taken to a catwalk, created their own events, phone us with ideas, want to be part of the house community as well. So, you know, we we have had women through COVID who we've actively helped because, you know, there was nowhere to turn. And we've done the podcast on cancer and COVID and how isolating that felt and they have come forward. And then, you know, the support at the moment, you know, our, our love for our ambassador, Jackie Beltrow, who had some good news, and you know she's had uh, quite a complicated journey. A good, good friend of ours as well. A, 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 it, it, I just feel that Future Dreams feels like a kind of community, a family, and I hope that always is the essence and the core of it because that was the motivation of Danielle and Sylvie. Mm. Why is it called
1: Future Dreams?
0: I know that was to Sylvie's idea.
2: Uh, 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 I quote. will tell you. Go on. <laughs> It's the quote, um, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Oh. Eleanor Roosevelt.
1: Oh, in, my goodness.
2: In, in the 1930s. Okay. And they took the two words from that quote, future and dreams, mm. and put that together to, to be the charity's name. Well,
0: and that... I think it's a really you know, it's had a lot of strength that name because it's it doesn't have breast cancer in it. So it's got huge optimism mm. and vision, which is both of them really, isn't it, is Sylvie and Danielle. And Sylvie was really keen on it.
2: Yeah. I think the goals of the charity and this podcast um is really to heighten the awareness so that young women, all women are checking themselves uh, regularly, uh, openly talking about breast cancer, um, which hopefully can stop other families um, from losing a loved one and and going through what what we've been through. Mm. Uh, if that's what comes out of the podcast and the charity, then I think we've done a uh, a good job.
1: That's an understatement,
0: Spencer. I'm very honoured to work for Future Dreams, and it's a real labour of love. And that's it. I'm grateful to Danielle always.
1: Oh, Thank you very much, all of you, for being so open and so honest and so eloquent. Amy, thank you. Spencer, thank, thank you. For you. Me. No, not thank at all. you,
0: Victoria. Sam,
1: well done. Thank you very much. Um, if you want more information about breast cancer or the Future Dreams charity, please do go to the website. It's futuredreams.org.uk. Or you can email podcast at futuredreams.org.uk. Or you can message me at any time on Instagram, as many of you are. And then came Breast Cancer is a six foot six and Factory Originals production. Thank you so much for listening. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity hopes you found this podcast helpful. We fund awareness, support, and research. If you would like to help us do more, please text WeCare to 7500 to make a £5 donation or visit our website at futuredreams.org.uk forward slash donate. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity will receive 100% of your donation. Text costs your donation plus one standard rate text message, UK only. Always get the bill payers' permission. We would like to contact you on your mobile phone with news and updates. If you would rather opt out, then please add no info to the end of your message. For example, we care, no info. Thank you again for listening.